and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. All right, so here we are, two days out, Rick. The election right around the corner. We are coming to you from Times Square Studio, where ABC Election Night will be held. And we have a very special guest with us here on the Powerhouse Politics. A first. A first for us, because he comes all the way from across the pond. Tell us who you are. Terry Moran, Chief Foreign correspondent comes with a headdress and the whole deal for ABC. So, Terry, what, what's the what's the view from abroad? Now, you've been traveling around quite a bit around around the country to, to see what this election is like for, for Nightline. But what's the perspective that you bring to this coming in, parachuting in, not your first campaign, but your first that you're covering toward the end after being abroad? Well, there's no question it's the biggest story in the world. It's one of the reasons I'm here, because I can't get on the air with anything else over there. <laughs> but... Uh, but it is the dominant story in the world everywhere you go. And one of the things I think is I would say is that the campaign, uh, as negative as it's been, especially with the way um, the Trump campaign drives certain issues, it has already damaged the reputation of the American democracy around the world. Because whatever people love to complain about America around the world, right? Uh, but they still look up to it. And this sense that, wow, there's a strong man who they perceive as as racist and and might win and the way the campaign has been conducted also the fact that the other candidate is the wife of a former president like they do it in Argentina or you know they they the, the campaign has damaged America in the eyes of the world I'd say so Terry you uh covered the 2000 presidential campaign you and I spent uh far too many miles together uh covering Al Gore uh you obviously covered the White House with with George W Bush uh, now you've come over here, uh, but you, you bring both an experienced perspective and a fresh perspective. You've been out with Donald Trump in, in, in Florida. What struck you as, uh, with, with those Trump rallies? What, what struck you? Well, uh, two things. First, I, I actually think the media has sensationalized the sense of danger or menace. I, I had a great time. At the Trump rally I went to. And, as Trump and, says, there's no place that's more fun than a Trump rally. I mean, no place in America. It is. And for the anti- Game 7 of the World Series. Well, I mean, not go there. As a Cubs fan, I can't go there. But the, but the sense that, that you do get a hard time from people. People give you a hard time because you're in the media. But pretty good-naturedly. And even if they get a little amped up, they're still in a, in a normal campaign mode. The other thing is the intensity of their happiness, their enthusiasm. People drive three, four hours to go to a Trump rally, and you can feel it. Uh, I, it's, it is a movement. And they wait in the rain. I mean, they'll, 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 they'll go. I mean, I've, I remember that when I knew that the Trump thing was real was Burlington, Vermont. Burlington, Vermont, in the middle of the winter. This is like, this is communist Vermont, okay? And he is, there he is, the People's Republic of Burlington. People waited on hours, hours, hours outside in the cold. It was bone-chilling cold waiting to see Donald Trump in Bernie Sanders' backyard. You put that on TV. I remember it. Yeah, it was vivid, quite vivid. So, so let's contrast that with Hillary Clinton, and, 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 and what does it mean? I, I think it's fair to say that people aren't waiting online for hours and driving hours and hours and hours to see Hillary Clinton. The enthusiasm, we talked about this yesterday, John, the lawn signs that are out there for Trump. The enthusiasm for Trump is real, and it's at these events. Is there any sense you have of what the other side can replicate beyond Jay-Z and Beyonce going out there and, 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 and King James toward the end? It seems to me that the Trump side has that enthusiasm, and I say it, 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 you have fun at a Trump rally. 
Fear is the driver on the Clinton side. There's no question. Fear of a Trump America, of a Trump victory. And it may be sufficient to, to do it. And it's frankly the only thing she's really appealing to. Her closing argument is, I am not Donald Trump. Uh, and I'm not sure that that is enough to fuel the kind of enthusiasm that you do need on Election Day to get, what, it's going to be 60% of the vote or more uh, that will show up on Election Day. And you need, people want to vote for something. And that's but, but I have to say, I mean, still looking at the situation, ABC tracking poll, we're at five-point lead for Hillary Clinton. The battleground states seem to have solidified in a way that is highly advantageous to, to Hillary Clinton. Our friends at 538 put the odds of a, of a Trump victory at about 35 percent. Others put it at significantly lower. And then we have this blockbuster story in the New York Times. They went and did a look back, some great reporting on what's been happening at the Trump campaign. One thing that caught my eye, Rick, is that Ivanka Trump sat down for a two-camera uh, shoot for for a commercial to target women voters and then ask the campaign not to publicize the fact that she had done so. Yeah, and the concern, according to the Times, about the Trump brand, about what would mean to the Trump brand. She's, of course, the future, the Ivanka, she's the future of the Trump organization, the face of the Trump organization, to not want to be associated with this campaign in this way. And another telling detail, guys, the campaign intervened to get rid of Donald Trump's access to his own Twitter account. They have been trying for months and months and months to get him on message. And fi- we don't know if they changed the password or they, they locked him out of his own phone. Somehow or other, Kellyanne Conway and company has kept him on his best behavior. And he realizes that he he's done better when he is just on message. Terry, the, the appeal to Trump is that he's off message and you don't you don't know what you're going to get. He's unscripted. And now he's so boring. Exactly. It's like muzzling Pavarotti. I mean, why he is the he is the great genius of Twitter, at least he's demonstrated perhaps evil genius, depending on your point of view. But he gets your attention. And I think one of the reasons that uh, that his people respond to him is because he's busting through all this sense that you can't say certain things. You can't talk a certain way. You can't think a certain way. And here's this guy with great gusto saying whatever he darn pleases, sometimes to his own detriment, which is why his campaign has has tried to restrict him. But there's no question his appeal is. We can do and say what the hell we want. But, Terry, you've done a deep dive uh, into Donald Trump's Twitter feed. Uh, <laughs> and by deep dive, I mean you spent a few minutes scrolling through what he's I mean, it, it has actually legitimately gotten boring. Who would make Donald Trump boring? Look, whatever's happening in the race, don't make him boring because that's, that's what he's got going for him. Not just pizzazz, but as I say, there's something in it that people have responded to. They are tired of what they, they tell you when you go out there. People like us in the mainstream media or in politics, in the establishment, the elites, telling them how to live their lives, how to, what they can say, what they can think. And Trump, in his Twitter feed, is just liberating them. And yet, guys, if this is a close race, we may look back and say that it's because Trump didn't do the more conventional things, like a ground game and a program to actually energize people for the early vote and for you remember the the 72 hour program that that george w bush used to great effect in 2004 there's nothing like that and if this is a point or two in a whole bunch of states it may be yes trump trump and his appeal got just so far but it's the clinton ground game and the operation that they've honed that actually gets it over the top they may they may regret that they weren't more conventional months and months ago or they weren't more strategic in what states they were going after. I mean, I think one of the big question marks out there, maybe the state of Michigan. This is a state that looks like demographically could 
be a place that Donald Trump could really play. And they didn't really make a run at Michigan until these final days. Terry, you spent some time in Pennsylvania uh, with with middle school students. This was one of my favorite pieces. This Nightline series is terrific. You have to go watch all of these, the 30, the final 30. It's just so great to see the storytelling. But in this middle school, and we, we think about young people, and obviously this is broken through in a big way, you found a big Trump contingent uh, among, among middle school students in Pennsylvania. They held a mock election. Trump got 86% of the vote there. So, <laughs> so this is definitely Trump country. But it's interesting, the big issues. Number one issue for them, without question, Second Amendment, gun rights. Uh, and I asked uh, the classroom, okay, so how many of you have guns? Every single 13-year-old raised his or her hand. And I said, okay, these are your mom and dad's guns, or you, these are your own personal firearms? No, no, there are firearms. And that is, you know, that cultural difference. It's not just a ground game that I think he, he, he lacks. It's that, you know, you can't alienate so many voters. Because, frankly, there are Latinos and black voters and college-educated voters who might feel the same kind of sense that the elites have failed, that the establishment isn't working, that you got to shake things up. But he just insulted so many of them so much that they couldn't make common cause with the people in Pennsylvania on any of these issues. And uh, that's, that's the real problem is that he was playing subtraction instead of addition. And politics is an addition game. And so, so now we, we see a situation where it does look that, like there, there's a map there for Donald Trump. It isn't particularly favorable, as you say, one in three chance, John, uh, according to 538, that, that he's able to, to put this together. The Clinton folks are optimistic, but they don't feel like they put him away. And, and it does raise to me a lot of questions about governing and also just about this campaign. If they couldn't put Donald Trump away, given the insults, given all of the things that have been out there about him, wow, this is a nail biter. This is a lot more of a cliffhanger than it ever should have been. Yeah, I mean, we'll see where it goes. But, you know, right now, if you were to look at the map, even if you took the kind of more optimistic uh, Clinton view, he, as we've we've mentioned before, uh, he would actually do better against Hillary Clinton than Mitt Romney uh, did against, uh, you know, Barack Obama. I mean, and Mitt Romney was a guy that had the Republican Party unified behind him, had been a governor, had fixed the Olympics, had a great, I mean, you know, had a real campaign, had a lot more money. Um, so it, it is, if this does end up being relatively close, even if Trump loses. I mean, first of all, the recriminations will be something else. I mean, the thing that will happen is uh, the, 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 the Trumpers will say, it's people like you, Paul Ryan, who refused to campaign for me. And by the way, Paul Ryan, we talked about the snub. Paul Ryan now agreeing to go out and campaign with Trump, and Trump saying, actually, we're going to go to Minnesota instead. And Ryan now writing about why he supports Trump. It's really, is he... This is a sign he's worried about his own speakership, I guess, right? Oh, I think 100%. He's worried about the perception that he didn't do everything he could to try to deliver the White House to Donald Trump and therefore contributed to the Clinton presidency. Is, is doing everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of weak. Well, and as one of the leading lights of the Republican Party, even he was, was cowed by Trump into this kind of submission, that he had to, to go and say, yes, he is the right man for the country at this time, when clearly that's not what he believes. Clearly not, that's not what he acts on. Terry, what, what would a close selection mean for the world image of this? Are people looking outside the country saying, well, at least the American people will sort of right their own ship if they reject Trump? Or is it, as you say, because Hillary Clinton is the, is the wife of former president, that has its own complications? Is the damage already done? Or does the, do the American people have a chance to, to kind of put this election in the rearview mirror with a resounding victory one way or the other? Well, I, I think the damage has been done, and it's shown that our institutions are as fragile as theirs in some ways. And that's what's been a shock. For people who live in a, in a country where a strong man can take over or where 
the issues can go haywire against the minor against minorities. To see that happen in the United States has confirmed the worst opinions uh, about America among our adversaries and the worst fears for America among those who hope that we're strong in that way. But I, I actually think it's just the beginning of the story. I mean, the, if Trump if Trump loses, I mean, think of the O.J. verdict, right? So, so the people who uh, thought that O.J. Simpson was guilty, if he had been found guilty, would have said, well, that was a mess, that trial. But the system works, right? And then the fact that he was acquitted caused kind of a crisis in the system in some ways. And then the, the, going forward, these people who lifted Trump up, they aren't going anywhere. The establishment isn't going anywhere. The system's not really going to get fixed in four years. They're going to come. Now, Trump is a unique instigator of things, but they are going to be looking for someone to smash it just like he promised he would. So we're going to do this again, I think, and the world is going to watch. Unbelievable. All right. Well, we are out of time. But when we come back, I hope we'll be back tomorrow. And we should try to get Terry to come in again because, you know, we didn't even mention Evan McMullen. And uh, one of the best stories of the cycle. Imagine if Evan McMullen wins electoral votes on Tuesday. It's incredible. If Evan McMullen wins, elect, if he, this is the conservative independent party candidate, if he wins out in the state of Utah, he will have electoral votes. And if, you know, if Hillary stays under 270, if Trump stays under 270, I mean, we're looking. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, but that is it for the Powerhouse Politics Podcast. We are daily now. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.